Welcome to Sonic Talk number 366. That's right, we uh, have passed our year milestone and now we're um, just in regular uninteresting numbers. So that means you can have a year and a day of listening. Uh, that quack, crack's going to get tired very soon, so I'll, I'll skip it. But uh, I want to say uh, welcome everybody. We've just had Glastonbury. Uh, we've also, uh, unfortunately now, uh, between our regular panellists and myself, uh, all both of our countries have been knocked out of the World Cup, so there's no excuse but other than to be watching Sonic Talk either on the YouTube channel, if you watch it on YouTube, you, you might normally listen to it on MP3, but it's also, uh, we upload it every week to YouTube and you can subscribe if you Want to? There's a button somewhere. Um, I'd appreciate that because then you'll get a feed for all of our stuff because we've got a heck of a lot of videos and what have you, other content coming up. But this week's show, sponsored as ever by Isotope. Uh, Isotope are makers of very fine plugins and virtual instruments. In fact, uh, if you've been following, they've been giving away a copy of something every week. And we've had a spate of uh, Isotope Iris, which is their spectral synthesizer. We've got a winner for last week's competition, which we're going to announce. And also, we're going to have another competition set this week. That's one every week. I can't think how generous they are. That's kind of pretty serious amount of uh, prizage right there. Uh, so we will announce that later. In the meantime, I want to say thanks to our chat room. Our chat room are here again. Fulsome, as I want to say, and I'll say it again, I don't mind. Uh, there they are in full colour. You can see it that way if you like. You can also watch it You can watch it on the site live. And you can also, if you wish, you can also um, get an IRC client. There should be instructions on sonicstate.com forward slash live. Anyway, all that stuff, housekeeping out the way. Um, let's, um, let's move on. We'll move on. We'll crack on. We're very fortunate once again to have Mr. Corey Banks from B-Boy Tech Report. There he is. He's got a. He's in a new venue. I don't know if he's moved house or what's going on there. You just decided to mix it up a little bit. Hey, Corey? A little bit. Decided that a, that a white background with, with very clean lines is a better background. Uh, I'm on vacation, so ah. decided to join from vacation. Uh, got no work to go to, so I figured I'd uh, join you guys and have a little chat about whatever we have to chat about. That's very kind of you, Corey, and I'm 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 sure you must be missing all of your synthesizers and everything, though. You, you how are you how are you getting your fix, or are you taking a break from that too? Oh no, you can never take a break from that. So I got my uh, yeah CME XT XT on deck, along with uh, you got to have some pads. Ah, right? that's the uh, Keith McMillan Q. Is it Cunio or can I, Q Cunio? Cunio. How do you get Cunio. on with that? Because it's got yeah. four points, doesn't it, that you can hit? Yeah, you... actually, it's, it's pretty nice because, you know, it gives you a lot of control and sensitivity and stuff, so that's cool. I've been uh, lately, you know, working with Bitwig and trying to get used to Bitwig, um, so that's what I've been using it with. Ah, okay, interesting. And are you yeah. what are you using it to trigger? What do you use in software to trigger your, your, your samples or whatever? Is it contact or uh, what? What are you using? Um, well, various things actually. Uh, contact, um, battery, uh, just various things. Whatever. And you know, actually, in, in Bitwig, it has uh, containers. So you have these little containers. It's like there's a drum machine, or there's different synth instruments. But the the Bitwig uh, drum machine container has been pretty cool. I can load my drum samples in there and get that same banging boom bap type of flavor out of that because I got you know, samples that have that flavor. But yeah, the drum machine is pretty good for it. For it. And how are you getting yeah, on with Bitwig? Because we, um, we posted our first piece with Gaz, I think yesterday, of uh, Bitwig, and he spent some time with it, and he found he was finding it harder, because, it, I mean, I'm guessing the same with you, really, because you're used to a particular work environment. How are you finding that transition? You know, that's a good question. I, I, I dig it. I do like Bit, Bitwig, but it's just like anything. It's new. So I'm trying to get used to um, just the, the flow of it. And then, too, if you come from a background like myself with NPCs, uh, you're used to a certain swing. And, and now I've kind of learned how to work the quantize in, in Bitwig. So that gives a little bit better control. So since I've gotten used to the quantize, it's actually gotten better. So I like it. Uh, but there's still a lot more to, to be learned. I mean, like, 
you can it's easy to drag things onto a track open up an instrument i've been able to open up all kinds of other vsts and stuff um it's easy to drag a loop onto a track and slice that to 16 pads for like the cuneo and things uh but still there's little quirks that i have to get used to and you know working through it but i don't think it's um I don't think it's anything that I'd be like, ah, I'll never use this thing. It's actually pretty interesting. I like the interface, uh, but I'm still getting used to it, and it, it will take – it is a learning curve. So it so when you're talking about the quantize and stuff, are you meaning like the kind of the swing and the shuffle and those kind of groove features? Are they? Are they exactly. I mean, are, they, are those sort of things radically different between uh, uh, um, DAWs? I suppose everybody has their own flavor for it. Yeah, they they can be pretty different. Like, I mean, the one in Logic, I'll tell you, I've used Logic for years. So what I use when when it comes to the quantize and the groove, I'll import groove templates. Uh, Somebody was nice enough to take a a classic MPC-60 or MPC-3000 and uh, make groove templates for every swing point. So for like 50% swing, 51% swing at each time in signature. Uh, all the way up to whatever it is, like 60-something, 68, 69, swing or whatever. And so what I would do in Logic is I would import those so that, you know, it's just like using an MPC in that case. And the, the timing is really on point, and you really get that that swing and that kind of signature to an MPC. Um, oh, so I wish, I wish Bitwig had something like that. But at the same time, they're quantized. And the, the features that they have on there, like there's a swing and then there's a percentage of humanize and all of that kind of stuff. So it works out pretty well so far. Ah, that's interesting. Because um, I've had the Trigger Finger Pro here for a while, and I found that I, I would just need to dial in, you know, anything more than about 54% was just, I mean, unless you're going for that really strong feel, was just right. just enough. It's really lo- small amounts. Is that how it works on the MPC, sort of ty- very small amounts, or do you kind of tend to go further? Well, yeah, no, it's very small amounts. It's very small amounts, but you can go as as strong as you want to. I mean, it, it goes really, and I mean, some people like that. Where I mean, it's really like just kind of yeah, jumping. It. it almost like takes control over your notes. I don't like it that much. I kind of like to humanize it so that even if I'm a little offbeat, that kind of gives me a, a little flavor, a little feel that I like. So I'd like to kind of keep it... Uh, on a little bit right but i still like to keep it human so that whatever i'm playing in here it comes out to what i'm actually doing so interesting. Yeah, track that on an mpc too interesting interesting because you've got so many different ways you can have triplet swing but only apply a small amount of it you know it's the percentage yeah. uh, anyway mark very patiently there mark tinley there in glastonbury um who is uh professional fairy catcher no he's not he didn't catch one <laughs> you never did tell us whether you caught a fairy no uh, mark is a music technologist also creative thinker and um just general man about town how are you mark you well i'm very well thank you yeah very well um i'm just thinking about that groove thing now because i, I don't know i don't notice the subtle increments maybe i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing uh, but uh, what i always think of as being swing time is the stuff that was in the 909 when that came out it had like four different settings didn't it for more swingy kind of beats and i think the um logic already has steps that correspond to the roland ones the a b c d and e ah right okay are yeah. Basic, yeah. Are the basic steps but it all but i used to work it out uh, mathematically when i had the mc is it called an MC202? Is my brain gone? Yeah, no, it was an MC202. Yeah. And each bar of the uh, 909 added up to either 192 or 384 pulses per quarter note. I can't remember which. 384. Where, I, know that I, used, I used to break it up so it would be like 15 and then 9. And if you move to 16 and then 8, that became like the trick. Uh, that became like almost like 3 4 on an 808 or a 909. Wow. So I thought that really skippy one was nice, fifteen nine, which is kind of almost like almost triplet, but not quite. And I'm pretty sure that because I liked all of the Detroit, not Detroit techno, no Washington. What's that stuff called from Washington? My brain's not working. Go 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 go! Yeah yeah yeah. Chuck Brown and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Gogo does have a really nice swing to it. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of and skippy, it, and it's, isn't 
identifiable right away. Trouble funk. Yeah. Drop yeah. the bomb on the White House lawn and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, good. God, that takes me back, Mark, because that, that used to be played all the time. That was uh, about the time of all those warehouse parties in London before the rave scene hit. It was go-go. And yeah, trouble. Exactly. It was all of that stuff, wasn't it? And 808 bass drums coming out. You'd be like, whoa, how do you do that? I want to learn how to do that. Wow, God, that takes me back. I, I remember I, I remember going to a few warehouse parties and they always used to be in uh, sort of abandoned warehouses, as you would see fit. Yeah. There'd be a, a collective that would take them over and uh, they'd sort of party it all up. You usually have a load of UV. I remember one, there was this really difficult... You had to kind of get into this massive space where they had the sound system and uh, the... Uh, what they did is they UV lit everything and then just l- laid trails of washing powder down the corridors, oh, wow. which would be lit up with the UV light. So you'd have this kind of white trail of, of blue sort of powder that you'd kind of follow. Or That doesn't make sense, but you know what I'm saying. That uh, does make sense. It sounds very familiar, actually. I'm sure they did that in the London. Was this in London? Or yeah, were yeah, you yeah. Impressed? It was in London, yeah. Oh, maybe I went to the same one then. I went to one in Shoreditch somewhere that was by a canal. But the the... The party itself was on the first floor, but the the ground floor of it, you had to almost kind of break into the canal and go through all this kind of wire fencing and stuff and then <laughs> go through what was a building site and then find your way up into the party. I, I just, it's, you know, the health and safety implications of that are just absolutely <laughs> terrifying, really. But yeah, it just, was fun. Just the, that and Red Stripe Lager. That was it, wasn't it? That was yeah, basically... Red Stripe Lager, yeah. <laughs> My God, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're, we're, me and Mark are sharing a sort of cultural, a cultural yeah. history that perhaps you're not. You don't have. You probably got something similar. What was it? Colt Forty Five. You know what was what was the equivalent? Colt Forty Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's red stripe here too, but yeah, maybe maybe uh, old English back in the day would yeah. be more like it. <laughs> but it's funny that you are talking about warehouse Jamaica, parties. We it? had we had these loft parties. It wasn't quite as adventurous to get into, but there was a, a, a club in Chicago, I remember, called The Warehouse. It was kind of like a big warehouse, but then we had all these loft parties and stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting how those those Same sort of deal. Same sort of deal. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've got topics and stuff. I, I did prepare some things, although I have been filling massively because I know that we haven't got that much to talk about. We're in the summer season, you know. As you'd think, anyway, things tend to be kind of a little bit uh, quieter. But actually, not all that quiet because uh, if we look here, um, what's this, you might ask? This is something called Modulus 002. And it's a site that came up. This is a company that are actually in Bristol. I can't believe I didn't know anything about it, and they're in Bristol. Uh, it's Modulus 002, and it's uh, apparently a brand new um, British polysynth. Here's a sound example Pulse width modulation, guaranteed to get me interested. That sounds nice. What's this arpeggiator jam like? Let's have a listen to that one as well. So this is a hybrid synth, apparently, according to the blurb. So there are analogue parts of it, I believe. I don't know which is which. And then there's some digital stuff, so I'm guessing... Now, I'm guessing this is probably, you know, when you talk generally talk hybrid, you usually, usually you're talking digital oscillators... And then maybe an analog filter or something. I don't know whether that's the case. I mean, but but to start with, how cool is that? A, a British polysynth. I mean, that's just. I, I I was thinking, I put in my story when I found out about this. I posted uh, they released the teaser uh, last Thursday, and I put in the story about um, what was the last British polysynth, and I couldn't think of any. And then somebody said, "What about the Cheetah MS6?" And that was the only one. I and I owned one of those. Mark. Last British polysynth that you can think of of any description. Let's have a go. Oh, oh! I've got him stumped. Check it out. <laughs> no, I've kind of got an inkling that there might have been a Vestifier one, but maybe not. Maybe I've made that up. Yeah, the, I think you're right. Cheetah MS6. That's, That's a it, really long time ago. Welsh, in fact, that was apparently. There is a difference. It's a bit like the difference between Canada and uh, and the US, <laughs> I guess. Corey, I'm I, I'm not expecting you to come up with a. Uh, w- yeah, I heard you Google there though. 
Yeah, I was. I was Googling that. And, it, and you know what came up? Your site with this modulus. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's nice. That just shows if you can get first how important that is in terms of That's SEO. Right. It's, but it's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, yes, um, mm-hmm. we do know. What we do know about this is it's got something to do with um, Paul Maddox, who was a guy who made something called the Monowave. He's always been really into PPGs, and he's built sort of boutique stuff. Uh, he built sort of various things along the way. Um, and his last, like, he had this company called Vacaloco, which when I wrote the story was still up. But now if you go to vacaloco.net, it points to Modulus Music. So I'm guessing he's been subsumed with this new thing. I mean, this looks like more than perhaps him is involved. Um, but he's the boffin. I mean, that's the picture of it there. It looks kind of tasty. Obviously, that, that looks like, what, a five-octave keyboard and a, quite a number of knobs there. Is this thrilling you might? I mean, it looks probably more expensive than any of us can afford, but kind of fun, eh? It's always nice to see something new like this. I, yeah, I love all this stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, and it probably is something I wouldn't buy, but that doesn't mean that... I've, I suppose if I had unlimited funds, I probably would. I mean, I'd love to get my hands on it and try it. Yeah. Um, and there is like such a massive difference between... I, I think I'm really... I mean... Yeah, where shall I go with it? I've noticed that sound in general has gone down this strange path of real clarity and definition at the expense of warmth. So anything that I hear on a big sound system now sounds like, wow, isn't it amazing how it kind of sounds like a record? It sounds like I can hear all the parts of everybody playing each individual thing and the clarity is like incredible. But there's a kind of a... And it might be because I've got fifty-year-old ears, maybe. But there's a there's a sort of a, a a glassiness to it, and an unpleasantness to it, and a, and a something about it that you would never notice on a mobile phone. But over a big rig, it's kind of like, well, okay, whatever's happened to that sound doesn't sound nice anymore. And um, and it's because we've modelled everything. And we've made everything very static. So, and when we model digital synths, we model something that happens in a, in a kind of a split instant, and then we make that the sound. Whereas these things are very organic and they move around a lot. And when you play them, there's a that there's a warmth from the fact that it moves around a lot. So, much as I love having everything yeah. in my laptop, I also love getting my hands on things that just go. Yeah. You know, like that and that analog. Uh, keys thing is a really good example of that it just i can't put my finger on what makes it sound really good but it it does something kind of excites the ears in a way that the digital stuff doesn't mm. uh, uh, no that is, know, it is that's it, an interesting in my opinion is is that the the i mean that the analog you have electricity moving through actual circuits and components and I just think that that you know there's constant movement, and whether it's audible to yeah. your ears or something that you just kind of feel that there's a constant. It's alive. It's really alive, as opposed to what you were saying, just like with the with the digital stuff. Those are calculations of a moment in time, almost. It's a it's like an electronic sample mm. <laughs> of yeah, a exactly. sound. You know, and, yeah. and otherwise, and that's why I've recently, in the last year or two, gotten so much into analog sense because once but, I heard them for myself, you can hear the the liveliness. You know, right? You play the same couple notes yeah. that you would play and on a digital that, thing. I mean, but that, this the, is more I guess the thing is now the, the, the I mean, this isn't. I don't believe this is modeled. This has just got digital aspects to it. I mean, in fact, if we look at the web, that that looks very much like some kind of circuit. Uh, if I click on there, what happens? Will it get bigger? Yeah, it might do. Get there, that looks like uh, that might be an analog component. I don't know what it looks like, but it, that, that looks like there's some analog stuff going on there. I mean, I think, the, and also, but now, I mean, in, if we if we switching back to software and, uh, or pure DSP stuff, the they get you know the coders are getting smart enough to know that you have to dial in some analog. I mean, in fact, what was that? There was a Monarch. Did you have a look at the Monarch? Which was the it was a uh, reactor based kind of mini clone. Yeah. And that had yeah. something about it that sounded really analog because I think they modelled it in the it code, really right? Cool. And it really did sound kind of quite variable. And I, it, there was something about it that made you just go, oh, this is different, right? I think yeah, there's I something think, else. I think the technology has gotten to a point where they can get the modelling down pretty close. 
But and and I'll say for for those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to, uh, you know, own like the the synth of our dreams or whatever it is that may be this analog or even all these vintage synths that you just can't get a hold of anymore. When you got people that are programming things like Monarch, then uh, I think we're lucky in that sense because those things come really close and they've done a really good job in kind of factoring in those odd bits and pieces that happen, those anomalies that happen in analog. Um, so yeah, it comes pretty close. But still, once you get an analog synth in your hands and you go to play, you instantly know the difference. And I used to not believe that, but it is true. It is mm. true. Sorry, Mark, you had something to add there. I was just going to say, I think as they... Um as this stuff progresses and they perfect it more and more, they knock all of the character out of it. I mean, this is all manufacturers in general. So my, uh, if I take my Line 6 stuff, my Line 6 pod sounds pretty good. It sounds a bit like a guitar amp. It's got some real thump and stuff to it. And my later one seems to have been homogenized further. So although it sort of sounds more like the thing it's meant to sound like, it's lost all its character and it sounds very flat and two-dimensional. So it's as... And, and they manufacturers seem to think it's more about putting more and more features in and then optimizing it so they can get all those features in rather than making it really good at doing one thing. So I think some of the early digital stuff can sound good. Um, even a DX7 sounds good, doesn't it? It's got some bloody balls to it yeah, that it's plugins big. just don't seem to have. Well, yeah, I think I, I mean, as I said, I think that's getting a lot better. But okay, I mean, I'll, I'll say some plugins. Some plugins. This, uh, but this looks really interesting, and it, it looks like you know, as you can see with the web, they've got you know, what? How many slots are there? There's three, three, uh, six slots. We've got another two to go. I'm guessing that's going to be revealed. We probably Thursday tomorrow. There might be another one coming out. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, I hope. Um, but I'm just really what about pleased. Novation when we were talking about British. Sims? It's not. It's not an analog. It's not analog, though. It's pure DSP, so it's slightly right. different. It is slightly different. I mean, it, but yes, it is a polysynth. I suppose that's fair enough. I'll take your point, okay. but not an analog one. <laughs> so, and there is. Yeah, I can't think the, of any the, others, but you know, as I think about this, and you know, the digital versus analog things, you know what I've learned to accept both of them for what they are. You, you know, some some analog sense don't sound so great either. Some digital sense don't sound so great. And then there's a trade-off. You have some digital that, like, you know, they're good at what they do and not so great at emulating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in how people, how companies like this are combining the two as well. I think you so have to. I mean, I'm, the, I'm looking forward to There that. was something, uh, there, was a, there was a talk that Dave Smith gave at uh, an institute somewhere recently that I think was posted on Synthtopia. And he was talking about, you know, the thing is, you make an analog monosynth, it's easy by comparison of making an analog polysynth because making an analog polysynth, you've got to get all the voice boards to match up. They've got to be calibrated in the same way. They've got to be able to self-calibrate so that they stay within a, a reasonable, you know, a reasonable amount of tolerance. It just gets way more expensive and complicated. And that's one of the reasons why he's using digital oscillators because. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to worry about that. He can then kind of deal with the, the it's it's much less expensive to make, and that's the thing that makes it really expensive is to calibrate all those electronics, and that's you know, I mean, and that's right. and we're probably not prepared to pay that sort of price. You know, look at the Schmidt. The Schmidt yeah. is, you know, oh, the Schmidt. it's just not possible. So you know, it's, that's why we have you know, it's bringing it all to a closer point. And I, I mean, I don't know how much this is going to be. I'm guessing it's not going to be you know low cost but hopefully it will be well it, it but, better not be as much as the schmidt i think that would be pretty hard actually i think Corey, but yeah i think it'd be pretty hard uh, but yeah looking forward to finding out more about that um if you want to find out more you just need to go to um modulus dot modulusmusic.me or they're on Facebook and what have you. In fact, I did, was there something on Facebook? Yes, I had a couple more pictures. They've released a couple more pictures in the last couple of days. There's a picture of a keyboard <laughs> and this, which looks like a piece of leather of some sort. So I'm wondering if that might be an end piece or something, but I, look, I, I like the detail on that. I don't know if you can see there the fact that it's got a little right. triangle, a little square and a little noise and a British flag. I think that's quite cool, actually. Well, look, I've got noise. Nice. 
That's a great teeth. <laughs> I like that. I was thinking about doing some. That's from Custom Synth. I I happened upon that on eBay on uh, last week. It's one of Custom Synth's creations. Nice. Cool. I we I, I I wanted to do a bunch of t-shirts with just kind of waveforms on them, or like the block the block diagram uh, or the block diagrams <laughs> on uh, parts of block diagrams on um, on the MS Twenty, but I never got around to it. Would you? Excellent. I've got one sale yeah. there. It's not, now I gotta I gotta show off my t-shirt now too because this is. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Oh yeah, liking it. Yeah. Very futuristic as well as being That's current. Right. Something for all ages. Good fun. Good fun. <laughs> <laughs> well. So yeah, do check it out. It's uh, you know. It's going to be coming soon, and I'm really looking forward to what that's going to be. Someone's trying to get in touch with me on the chat room. What's going on there? Oh, I don't know how it works. That's my. I'm not, I get to know your IRC client. Maybe I should have someone else getting to know the IRC client. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, of course, there is other news. I mean, the additional news. Actually, let's do an ad now because we can we can get the uh, isotope stuff in, and we can carry on. Um, so now is the time that you can cough and make noises at Mark or eat your hemp seeds, Mark. Yes. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, I'll just mute you guys and we'll do the ad. So here's uh, a message from Isotope. If those you know, stay tuned actually because the Isotope uh, will be announcing the winner of the competition afterwards and we'll also be doing a new one. Yes, this is Isotope's virtual instrument. It has its roots actually in Sonic Talk because we talked about RX technology and wouldn't it be great as a synth and it became one and it was partly due to our discussion so I feel a very warm feeling towards it. Uh, it's natural intuitive selection tools. You can manipulate your audio visually, see an image of your sound, draw and select individual events. You can shape shifting, apply synthesis controls to your selections and layers, shape and morph new textures, sound sculpting. You can enjoy warm, lush virtual filters, delays, reverbs, chorus and distortions for each layer and there's lots of sound libraries too it's very good for uh, musical inspiration and sonic experimentation there's a whole load of sound libraries that come with it mix the sounds of wood glass food toys voice altered and prepared objects as crazy modular synths and pitch percussion or just put your own found sounds in it and extract stuff download a free 10-day demo of isotope iris today at isotope.com forward slash iris and of course as we know we've had several winners of the said uh, iris last week uh, we asked if this is where you get time if you're not a member of twitter it's worth joining now because uh, although the number of people join um, submitting every week is getting getting traction um last week's winner has been picked all you have to do to win is tweet out a couple of things i'll tell you a bit more about that but last week's winner who had to tweet the hashtag sound design uh, to at sonic nick and at isotope inc was joshua lorenz is at joshua lorenz with a z on the end so if he wants to get in touch with me we shall instruct the isotope fairy she's like the tooth fairy only for synthesizers to uh, bestow a copy of Iris into your account. So please do get in touch, Joshua. And, of course, you can win one yourself. If I now go to my uh, cunning uh, extra shot here, let's have a look. There we go. You can win Isotope Iris yourself. All you have to do is tweet the hashtag IrisRocks. I made that up today, actually. I'm running out of uh, adjectives here. I'm sure we'll get some more. The Isotope Fairy is very good at making them up. Uh, tweet IrisRocks hashtag iris rocks to at sonic nick and at isotope inc so that's what you need basically if you send a tweet with just that in it that'll be enough but it'd be nice to have some comments as well it's always nice to see the comments coming in as well so uh, put a little note in there because i read them all as well because i've got to count them to select the winner so there we go at iris rocks hashtag at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And then you may well be the winner of Iris yourself next week when we uh, announce this week's winner. Anyway, so let's get on to uh, some more stuff. Ah, yeah, here we go. This is the um, System One plug-out. This is, this was, uh, this is from a live event that uh, Mike Grieg hosted, who's also been a guest on this show a couple of times. This is uh, David, who is the demo guy. He's very good, actually, and he's basically... The, the plug-out runs as an additional DSP piece of DSP code in the System 1, but it also runs as a plug-in itself. I'll keep talking because there's not much happened at the moment on the actual screen. And basically, it's a, a Roland's own emulation of their own SH-101 that runs either in the code as a plug-in, but you can also store those sounds in the System 1 synth. It's a plug-in, so let's check out I have a little logic project here. Here we go. Uh, and let's have a listen to that. Go on, let's have a look at the screen. <laughs> 
So that's the plugin, okay, I'm guessing. So basically, what this one into now is there not System One, but it's actually uh, a separate plugin, which is the SH101 plugout plugin. Plugout plugout. Plugout plugout. You can watch that yourself. I think it's we posted uh, a link to the actual live show, which I know they had some difficulties, but you can find the technical difficulties on the day. Very ambitious thing to do, but good luck. Good, you know. Well done for trying. Um, so the SH101 comes with the System 1, right, uh, as the first free plugin. And then uh, they are going to be releasing more plug-outs. I, keep, I, get, I get my terms wrong to go along with it. I know, what's the buzz like this for this um, amongst your readers, Corey? Well, I, I know people have been really into the, the TR8. I got to say that myself... Personally, I was more excited out of all of those, what was it, four different things that yeah. comes with the airline. Um, um, I was more interested in the um, the keyboard with the plug out and all of that. But the more I see it, you know, I'm still, and I said the same thing about the TR8. The more I see it, my excitement is kind of like, eh, I don't know. You know, um, I'm just not sure. I think the look of it just turns me off. I do think there's some people that are still into it. I actually saw some some people on Instagram that uh, interact with me and, and follow me that had just gotten one. Somebody had just gotten one and was excited about using it and stuff. So um, I think people are into it, but I'm still waiting to, to kind of see what it's like. I tell you from that video you showed, what I didn't think was cool and I must have just had it uh, you know kind of crossed in my head what I didn't think was cool is that for the plug out if you have the SH101 plug in on your computer you can move sounds to the uh, to the keyboard uh, but you can't it's only eight sounds that you can move to it so that you can disconnect it from the computer and play live. I thought the entire plug in would move so that you could like hit a button and say, okay, I want to use the SH-101 now, and then you could just kind of go through the presets and all of that. But apparently it's only eight sounds. And, uh, you know, I think I that I think the, I think you get a manual mode so that the plug out, the, the code is running in it, so then the controls of the synth will allow you to then, you know, tweak the actual parameters of the plug out, as far as I understand it. I mean, if that's not the case, that would be wrong. But yeah, I'm, I think you can. I think you can, but you could save eight presets. At least yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. The, the video was saying, yeah. No, I see what kind you're like saying. Live mode. Yeah, I, 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 to be fair, I mean, I did a review of the first look of the of the system one, which uh, has been up for a couple of weeks now, and I I, uh, I think that the um, there's lots of functions that I wasn't able to find because I didn't have a manual. So, for instance, you know, I didn't think that you could tune the oscillators uh, wide range, but there are there are lots of uh, extra functions. So, my okay. guess there might be. I mean, because let's face it, you could probably store an enormous amount of um, of presets in there. I mean, it's not like they're kind of you know, it's just a bunch of XML basically, isn't it? It's like this parameter is this. Yeah, and that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm pretty sure that that must be a way around that. It's I, I've been playing with it a bit more. We in fact yesterday when. Um, we filmed uh, Sonic Touch. We had a little jam at the end, and the IRA was one of the things that we plugged in of the seven USB devices we plugged into a single iPad via a powered hub. And, you know, Gaz was going, oh, that sounds nice. You know, and it does, it, the, it's the physical... The thing that I love about it is the physical interface. You know, that's the thing. Having a physical interface to something virtual. It doesn't matter whether it's virtual or analog or whatever. The fact that it's got a physical interface means that you connect with it more musically instantly. And yet, it's not analog. It's DSP. And there's all those arguments that we can have about that. But the, the, the opportunity to have a physical input, a physical interface, really does count for a lot in my, in my books. And, you know, for that price, there's quite a lot of physical input. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I mean, did you, did you um, have any 101 action back in the day with your rig? The 101 <coughs> was my introduction to grown-up synthesis. <coughs> Before the 101, I made my own things out of old radios and sort of cobbled things together. And um, So the 101 is where I learned the art of synthesis. And it all happened after one drunken stoned night in the pub when I went around to see my friend Stuart. And he said, oh, check this out. I've got one of these. And... Uh, everyone else was kind of in one room having a party and I was in this other room for hours going like, wow, this thing's amazing. Uh, ending up with this pal of mine, Stuart, saying, well, you can borrow it if you want. And I took it home and then, I, I, you know, the sad part of that is that I was a guitarist for many years and then the guitar got lent against the wall and then 
I just got my head buried into this, the, into the 101, and then learned other synths from that. So it's sort of my benchmark synth, I suppose. And it's right. like, you know, but I was like 19 or something, and it's where I started to sort of understand how you make a flute or how you make a piano or how you make strings or all that sort of stuff. So it's a very important synth for me. And I think for my brother Adam as well, and I think Adam was at that event, actually, at the SSR event. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I like the look of the Roland thing. I do too. I don't I have a problem with the, the Tron. I want, it to ch- I want it to change colour. Oh, yeah, so nice. Choose what colour it, it goes. My biggest problem, and I, it sounds good, actually, if it sounds the way they've compared it, uh, if it does sound like an SH-101, then that can only be a good thing. My main problem is this. Yes, this is I know, the, yeah, the various, yeah. Look how much dust's on it. Well, that's not it. That's not Roland's fault, Mark. That's your tardy housekeeping. Because the only way I can use this, this is, this is about nine, nine or ten years old, isn't it, this technology? The only way I can use this technology is to run Windows 98. Uh, if I run Windows XP... If I upgrade to Service Pack 3 on Windows XP, this just won't run. The drivers don't work, so it, it, it can't communicate with the computer. So the only way to run it is to run Windows 98 because Roland haven't written up-to-date drivers for it. And worse than that, they haven't written up-to-date drivers for the vSynth either, which is what... I mean, this is basically a vSynth in a rack, and it's got all the SuperSaw waveforms and stuff, and it sounds bloody brilliant. There's a Jupiter 8 emulation in here that sounds brilliant, and there's a 303 emulation in it that sounds brilliant. And it was promised to be open architecture that they would keep releasing more and more things for it. And I think they released a D50 card for it, and then when they switched to the vSynth, they kind of just forgot this. When this came out, people were paying like well over $1,000 for this thing. And it's kind of a useless piece of kit in a sense now, unless you're very clever like me. (laughs) (laughs) You've got your virtual. I mean, unless you can work out how to run Windows 98 on your machine, it's it's not something that you can communicate with readily. So um, I just, I think the, the... the the system one's less likely to go that way because at least it has some controls on it. If if I want to work with this, I've got like three knobs on the front panel, so there's not a great deal I can do in terms of tweakability. So I can turn it into a Jupiter 8 just by pressing a button on the front, and I can switch through the patches, but I can't actually get at the programming. Um, So I guess if the system one's got lots of knobs on it, great. But I, I think... And I'm going to openly say this, that Roland have a bad reputation for not writing drivers for their older stuff when they should continue supporting it for at least a few operating systems as far if it's a computer-based product. And they also have a, a bad reputation for not releasing stuff that they say they're going to release. So if they're saying, oh, there'll be this synth and this synth and this synth, then they're all going to, you know... There'll be if in three years' time they've decided, oh, it's not selling that well, and we'd be better off just putting this technology into some something else, and they dump the thing like a hot brick. There's going to be lots of sort of system ones kicking around in people's cupboards, like this thing gathering dust. Well, it's yes, but difficult le- to set up, and you know, I suppose at least the system one can actually work as a standalone instrument. As so a standalone, it's not, so you know, well, this I- can, but it's it's you know, difficult, you, you, challenging. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just th- I just want to make that point because I think some if it's somebody in the company at Roland's listening to this and that needs to be addressed, then they need to go and work out why <laughs> they don't support stuff for as long. I mean, I, I, I've got other pieces of software that I bought, and they're sending me free updates after fifteen years. Yeah, and they just well, I suppose that. But like, I, oh, I yeah, guess the, I guess the thing is, is you've and got it's a, a large... tiny company that's. Um, yeah. Uh, chicken system chicken translator right. yeah, yeah, that software they're always whenever they update it they send me an email saying you know would you like to download the next version of it free and it and and if they change the copy protection i'm invited to buy a cd i know to, but to be fair mark the thing the nature bucks. of that chicken sis is it's supposed to be a translator so it works from akai samples and so it, it you know it, it's in its own interest to have a long life you know so that would make sense but i mean the other thing i would say about this is you know I don't know why, when that's dead, they just don't go open source. Here you go. Just, you know, yeah. somebody can, can write drivers Absolutely. while I keep it alive. That's you know? another way of supporting it, yes. Here's the code. 
go and do with it what you will. Yes. Yeah. But so, <laughs> but, uh, but I suppose the reason for that is that that actually entire operating system now lives in a vSynth. When you look at what comes up on screen for this, and you look at the uh, internal architecture of a vSynth, they're very, very similar. And the, uh, the vSynth has gone slightly more synth oriented. So yeah, they've added they've they've put the filters in in the chain in a slightly different way to how they are in the Varios. But if but as far as the elastic audio stuff and all that stuff is concerned, it's the same. As far as the 303 emulation, it's that found its way in a vSynth, but in a slightly different place. And the same with the Jupiter and the Juno emulations. Those filters and those waveforms well, just got moved around slightly. Well, so who's to say that uh, you so know, there, there isn't some roots of this in you know what we're talking about here? I mean, I'm not saying there is, but it's it, knowing how Roland can be with trying to make sure their technology rolls out over long periods of time. Time. We've seen it in prior to the IRA, IRA range. We've seen it, you know, iteration after iteration after iteration of using the same supernatural stuff. Um, so yeah, there is that. A couple of things in the chat room that are worth mentioning. Um, I, I think it's gone by, but uh, I, I think Lagrange was saying the, uh, or was it the sh no Atomic Shadow was saying that the King Korg sounds really good, and that's a kind of virtual analog. I guess that's, but that's a self-contained thing. Yeah, I agree but with that. I, I think the problem is, you know, with any of this stuff is, yeah, if they don't sell all that well. It seems to have taken a while to get the 101 working. Does that mean now they've got it, it's really easy for them to do more, or does each one going to take this amount of time? And this is the thing. And there have been rumours as well that the TR8 is going to have some firmware updates that allows it to be other drum machines other than the 808 and the 909 too. You know, so... That would be cool. It would be cool. I mean, one thing I would say in Roland's defence is, you know, now there is a guy who's in charge of Ira for the whole range you know they've got like i said before i think the internal structures change so they've got like a synth guy and they've got an ira guy so that means the two product ranges sort of almost seem like they've been ring fenced to have they've got resources so i'm hoping that's not going to be the case but i do take your point um i mean i just want to stress and, and that it's they a very good point by the way mark no i was just saying it's a good point yeah. i was actually going to make that point as mark was saying it because i know people that have complained a lot about um, rolling drop and support for stuff that you know are, are great ideas and are great products but then you know after a certain life period after a certain period of time it it's like it's at the end of life and they just kind of kill it and yeah. you're right there'll be certain things that they said they would do certain things they said they would make available it's just not it doesn't have very difficult and, to and, deal with yeah yeah, uh, one thing difficult. I one thing I would say is we did plus the system one into the iPad chain yesterday to try it, and it's not class compliant. It's got no class. It hasn't got class compliant MIDI or class compliant audio, which just seems kind That's of crazy. That's the problem, though. That's a big problem yeah. because the vSynth isn't class compliant, and I had to. Well, I just couldn't get it to integrate with my system in the way I wanted to to integrate it because of that. I, I had to fiddle around for hours and hours trying to make the Snow <laughs> Leopard driver work on. <laughs> There's some dog drama like going on in your house. Dog, yeah, the dog's having a. <laughs> the dog agrees. The yeah. dog and the child are having a wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, all very valid. All very valid points, and I think you know. But hopefully, you know, if the, what what other models would you like to see? I mean, I don't know, uh, uh, Corey. You, you know, you, obviously the 101's a big deal. What else do you think would be not? I'm, I'm guessing there's probably going to be a Juno. Or I, 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 maybe. Yeah, I would love to see a, a Juno on that. I mean, I think they even wasn't there a rumor that they said they would do a Juno. I would love to see something like that. I mean, any of their classics, I would love to see it. And and honestly, I'll, I'll say again, I'm not a fan of the look of the thing. And it would be cool, though, like Mark said, if it changed colors. Yeah. But I, I have to say that I'm uh, the comparison of the System 1 and the SH-101 would sound pretty close. Yeah. So because of that, I am interested to get my hands on it and see how it sounds in my place on my speakers and kind of yeah, get, a, gotcha. get an idea of what it's like. I'd be interested to hear any of the plugouts that they're talking about bringing out. Well, I will I mean, say, long line. I will, yeah, I will say, uh, I have procured an SH101, so that when the plugout comes and I can do the second part of the review, I'm going to get a scope up and we're going to look at the waves and we're going to do it like true AB because I've got that uh, bit scope um, micro, which is you know a proper oscilloscope. So I'm going to be doing that. So. Uh, I'm hoping. I don't think it would be hard for them to be able to put the, the Juno or the Jupiter in it because the Juno and the Jupiter are already in the Verios. So those filters and those waveforms, all they've got to do is... Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> he agrees again. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, maybe they're using the core of some of that code so it could be ported across so they, they could do... I guess the thing that's going to be missing is the chorus, you know? That's because uh, the, the system one has got delay and reverb, which are fine and kind of fun to play with, but... What made the sound of the Juno, the JX3P, um, certainly those, uh, uh, is the chorus, which would be nice to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know whether it will. And there's no audio external. Well, you know what? If, if that was such an integral part, integral part of the original sense, I would hope that they would try to find a way to port that into the system one, or else it's not really a faithful reproduction, and it's their own product. So I should hope that they would go that extra mile. Yeah, there's a couple of cool ways of getting that chorus tone. Actually, there's a plugin by a company called TAL, and they already make a sorry, your cat's going. Your cat's What's next? Can we have like have you got a budgie or something? Perhaps, perhaps a pigeon could fly through the open window. Uh, so the, I'm, I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. Uh, there's a company called TAL, and they make an SH101 yes, emulation, but they right. also make a standalone Roland chorus emulation, which is actually quite good. Right. There's also another one which is a PG a PG eight X or PX eight P or something. Uh, there's a standalone chorus from the JX eight P as right. a VST plugin, which is also actually quite good. Um, but if you put those things across your synths in your signal chain, it does give that sort of Roland sense of width and warmth to to strings and stuff so they're both worth looking at and putting on your machine and they're both free oh okay yeah that's good uh, of course the the classic one is the boss ce1 i don't know if anyone's ever seen that that big kind of gray green kind of pedal with two yeah. buttons that and that sounds amazing um well the, the 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 vst plug-in version of the chorus part of the jx8p if you put that across a guitar it sounds really like the ce1 Okay. In my opinion. Excellent. Well, that's a top tip there. Thank you very much for that. It is a tip. Good right. Um, well, let's get on to this next one. This is kind of interesting. This is the, uh, they're called DJ Tuner. No, no, they're called, uh, they're called Tuner. They're called Tuner DJ Gear, which is uh, an interesting concept in, um, uh, and what they've basically come up with, I think I've got it here, yeah, is the notion, we've talked about this before, and I think we saw knobs uh, on, stick on knobs on a screen, and this is, these are called uh, tuner knobs. I don't know, I, I guess tuner maybe being a pun on the tuner rather than tuner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is what they look like. You can stick them on, and um, they're going to do a Kickstarter, and uh, so you can stick them on to stuff. Uh, I'm guessing they've probably got some capacitative, capacitive, thing that when you turn it it's like having your finger on it uh, that's my guess i don't know if that's true this is th there's very little data available because this is actually just from the uh, press kit so these are the they haven't started their kickstarter yet um there's been lots of speculation about this i, I know that um uh, Sivtopia posted this as well. There's been lots of people kind of going, so basically they're going to be kind of fairly crummy, inaccurate, and only work on one layout. All valid points, I guess. Um, but, you know, uh, we sort of got excited about this at one point. Do you remember, Mark? There was I can't remember what they were. There was something that, like a stick-on knob onto a screen that we... Yeah, were... they glued onto laptop screens, didn't they? But it needed something that went on the back of the screen to communicate with. Ah, actually... like a Bluetooth thing, so perhaps. It did something magnetic on the front, stuck on your screen, and <laughs> then it... What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> on the back. Right. Yeah, this looks much better, actually. The system computer, looks yeah. like... It. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if this system worked on Windows 8, then that would be really cool because then I can buy that great big Lenovo tablet and glue those knobs all over it and then have uh, Ableton running on it and have real-time control of the, over the, all the pans and all sorts of things. That yeah, might work. That could work. Does this sort I'll of thing... I'll try it do, I, I come out. Corey, are you much of an iPad user? I mean, I'm guessing... Yeah, big time. I mean, the thing is, I, all iOS devices everywhere are, are kind of a, there's a status symbol to them to a degree, and there's also the fact that everybody's got them, and what's really pushed them forward to the forefront is the music applications, right? So everybody's presumably going to be... Does this sort of thing kind of fill you with uh, anticipation and excitement or um, or not? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it looks interesting. I think, you know, I think there's something to be said for that tactile feel, obviously, right, with everything. it's That's kind of the way of 
the now, not even the future. It's like it's all about bringing back the tactile feel and getting away from the mouse and stuff. But with an iPad, it's already touch surface, and you can always, you already have a, a good sense of what you're doing. I mean, like if there's a, a, a knob on there and you kind of just go around in a circle, you can get a good feel for what you want to bring up. But, I mean, for some people, I think it may be cool to have these knobs. Well, as long as you don't look away. Things. That's the thing. If you look away then you're screwed you can't because you can't remember you've got no kind of you don't know where you were that's the only yeah, thing i would yeah. say well you know in the picture didn't it look like there was a, a there's like a color dial so you, it kind of leaves you it notes what your what your point was or whatever it is oh i, I think i pressed it's the wrong tough button to tell from the pictures yeah i think hold on, if i go there yeah if you look it, i mean that depends on the application i mean that looks like some sort of osc yeah. limer kind of thing so that's possible um it, it is possible i don't know how much it's going to be but i did i tell you what i did find which was really interesting i've got a video for that so if i just play that you'll be able to see this as well this was get in the mix uh who are we're at uh, I believe it was at Nam. Getting the mix online. Um, here's uh, something from their channel. And this is the Ion Scratch to Go, right? I like the look of that because what are we doing? We're incorporating hardware with software. And that is about as close as you can get to record, sorry, to incorporate hardware with software. Now, check this out. That is an iPad. That's a crossfade. And I don't know if you can see, but underneath, you're actually moving. So that's doing the same kind of thing. In fact, in that, that looked like a prototype because I have, in fact, found you can buy that for £14.99 pence at Maplin, which is like really? a kind of cheap outlet. Yeah, Iron Scratch to Go system for iPad. Right, so there we go. So you've got three faders and uh, two spinny wheel things. So presumably they're just capacitive stuff. Look, they even got little. I don't know if you can see. There's little. If I zoom, suction up, cups. Just suction cups. Just brilliant sort of cheap <laughs> technology. Just such a sort of. Yeah, there we go. Look. Uh, oh, can I get that to scroll up? I might be able to. So yeah, look. So they just stick on suction cups, which I I actually kind of like that. I think that's groovy. So I mean, that's the same kind of deal, right? Isn't, sure. That's the same principle, isn't it? Exactly the same. Fourteen ninety nine. They're going to have to go some way to. Uh, because presumably you could stick that if you had like a MIDI manager, uh, a MIDI designer pro, or anything where you can create your own kind of control interface. Surely you could just stick one of those on, and you're, you're good to go. OSC. There we go. Because you can size your um, you can size your faders yep. and your uh, knobs in Touch OSC, so you could just make them the right size to fit that. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to buy that. I'm sorry the thing about these things with the suction cup is so funny. I'm almost in tears. <laughs> it It'll be like, you know, let's, I mean, you, you have, you have this in incredible public. piece of technology in your hands. And, you <laughs> and it can do so many incredible things. And you stick suction cups on this. <laughs> I don't know, hey, maybe it's useful. But maybe. <laughs> it's just comical a little bit. So Pop in the chat room very uh, very succinctly put something. If I could scroll back down, you might be able to see what he said, which I think is is uh, is perhaps a I little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll, we won't say it out loud, but. Uh... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Still, but you know, I mean, oh. so it's not, and it's not impossible. But it just seems like if Iron can do it, and they're they're only four, fourteen ninety nine at Maplin. Have you got a link to that? I want to buy that. You do, uh, yeah. Well, if you just look for Iron, Iron Scratch to Go, it will okay. show up fourteen ninety nine. In fact, there's home delivery. It'll be like my sat nav in my car, though, won't it? I'll be drive. Well, I'll be like making music, and the cup will just fall off on the floor <laughs> at some in, in, inopportune <laughs> moment. <laughs> Yeah, it might do that. The other thing, what if if somebody could, if somebody does say a party with those, and if the suction is, I mean, if the atmosphere just is just right, and the suction is, if your screen is dirty or something, it probably is in instructions to keep your screen clean. But you know, if you're going crossfade with those things, I would be nervous that they would slide or come off or in the middle of your set while you're doing something. That would make me a little nervous. Can you picture doing that in the middle of a like hardcore DJ mix battle then? <laughs> That's right. You lost. At that <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Can I just, can I do that again? That's right. Pause. I, somebody got spit? I need some spit. I'm too nervous. I haven't got any of my own. Yeah. Ah, brilliant. I, yeah, so I don't know how these are going to say we, we do jest, but I mean, what I find really amusing is, you know, we've got a, a touchscreen and we're kind of going retro because we want... 
feedback. Yeah. We want, you know, and that, that there, there is obviously, you know, there will be a desire for this. And I, if they price them right, I think they were doing deals. In fact, I got an email because I signed up for the, um, let me see if I can find it. I got an email just before uh, the show started. Uh, where was it? Promotions. Oh, God, they're changing everything. Tuna DJ gear. Yeah, it says after, uh, th- after, Basically, I won't show you this because it's in my email client, but after uh, months of working on the uh, tuna knobs, we can finally talk about it in this newsletter. And also, uh, no, where was it? Oh, man. Basically, it said, I signed up to, to, to basically get, you know, information about it. And it says I was the first person <laughs> to sign up. And they've given me a special oh, URL. <laughs> and if I win, I could get a, t- a 10 tuna knobs and two tuna pouches and a tuna sticker. Oh, wow. You know? For free, this is free, so I could have ten tuna. I like the idea of having a knob on, or maybe buttons. You know, that might make sense. So something that's got a tactile. Because one of the things we use uh, an iPad here for switching cameras. You know, when and uh, it's not me that does it so much. It's when there's live action, maybe two people, and you know, uh, something going on on the on the plinth. You know, there's maybe six video sources being switched, and the problem is, is when somebody's looking at you know the set back there, they're not looking down. So you've got to position your fingers correctly over the buttons. Because there's no feedback as to where you are, so there there are purposes yeah. for these. But it, and it, I guess in the yeah, in, in the I sense of having to, you know. Yeah. But again, we're talking super niche, really. You know that I can't think there are that many other people who are doing that. But you know, I mean, it may be the actually. I mean, the the tuna knobs versus the ion ones. I mean, I think there might be uses for all of it. But the, the tuna knobs look interesting, and then the I guess also is the interface that they had it used with in the pictures makes it look even more interesting so i mean you know well i don't know that that is i'm a fan of kickstarter programs too yeah i don't know that that isn't just um osc or something it doesn't look like it's it may be it looks like osc sample kit it does look like it it's got that kind of uh simple thing going on there i mean it looks like a dj type of and there's some mc mpc pad type things yeah Looks nice. It's pretty cool. So, you know, there we go. There's that as well. So, I mean, you know, it, it was news. That was Robbie Bronneman uh, found that. That looks kind of interesting. Um, but, yeah, we're probably, uh, to be honest, there's very little <laughs> other news going on. So that's kind of, we. I, I mean, that, that I've discovered. I'm sure there is other ones. And people perhaps with a bit more diligence than myself might be able to find some more things. Anything happened on um, in your world recently, Corey? I, I, I checked the site out. The one thing I did see that was really cool was that band that you interviewed at um, RBTS at, at Moogfest. They look really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. RBTS win. That's a pretty dope band. Um, I was supposed to go see them at Moldfest, and I, it, I mean, it was just so many, so many things going on. I just didn't get a chance to check them out. But I was communicating with them and, you know, their PR person, and uh, I dug their music a lot. They use NPCs and vintage synths and, you know, live guitar, and it's a style of music that's not typical. It's, it's kind of like it has a soulful hip hop vibe, but then it almost sounds a little alternative, and they sing yeah. over it. Um, and it just sounds good. I, I I literally listen to it all the time in my car. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just I, I discovered that today, and I thought yeah. it sounded. It's got a sort of soupiness to it that I really dig. Yeah. I won't play it all because I'll get busted again, and I'm sick of getting busted yeah, by right, YouTube. It's right. just yeah, tedious. Oh yeah, and you yeah. sent an image, didn't you, of uh, this guy? The the modded uh, workstat that looks oh, cute, yeah, isn't that it? Workstat. That's pretty cool, right? That looks lovely. Do you think the fact yeah, that it's just got uh, a special pef? B- yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. And he's modded that's that because that's right. Yeah, yeah. Did you get uh, a work? You got a work? Got did you get a workstat? Did you get a workstat? Yeah, I, I got a workstat. Are you using yeah. it a lot? I am using it a lot. As a matter of fact, I want to use it more. So I'm bugging the mess out of Pef to see what mods he did and where he got that, that back plate. I'm sure he got it made himself. Yeah, I'm guessing. Like, hey, Pef, you need to sell those plates. I need one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the mods are pretty straightforward, aren't they? Because there's all sorts of patch points in there. So it's probably just a simple wiring thing. As you say, the most complex part is going to be getting the metal work done. And I'm sure the problem is if it's got the word Moog on it, they're not going to let him make it. They'd have to make it themselves. Yeah, but yeah. But it does look cute. You have to take that off. It, it's pretty nice, though. I'd love to incorporate that in my 
newfound habit of uh, modular sense. Yeah, I saw your pe- I saw your Pittsburgh modular demo, and you were just off. I saw that it was like eight yeah. minutes long, and I was thinking, yep. Yeah. There he is. He's, he's, he's in modular he's, time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's fun stuff, man. And I got to say, uh, you know, I understand the stuff and some stuff I'm getting used to. But, you know, it, it's no secret that hip hop, most hip hop guys are not really into modular stuff. And if they are, they don't speak about it much. So I'm kind of getting used to that whole modular thing and getting used to how to incorporate it into my workflow. So, um, uh, it's been pretty fun to to learn and get used to the the especially that DNA um, symbiotic waves piece yep. where where you especially you throw that demo was where I threw an LFO into the balanced CV and it kind of smoothly morphs between the two waveforms on that that particular module so it's pretty cool yeah, and I got lost in it. Somebody was asking, this is pef.com, and this is the guy who's been doing it. He's uh, He's got a lot of stuff about his, uh, his, oh, he's got an oscilloscope there, so he's obviously serious, hooking it up with various things. And, oh, yeah, the integration is, so he's, you know, showing where he's got all those patch points going on, and I'm guessing modding the work stat, so he's done that. And, yeah, here we go. Here it comes. I think the money shot's coming up anytime soon, or at least I hope so. Oh, there we go. There. He's got the jack panel made. And then he plugged it in, and there we go. So you can check it out, pef.com. Uh, looks like he's a well-respected nice. modder. Um, I guess that's probably uh, that's probably going to take us to our pretty much... Oh, he's got an oscill- oscilloscope. He must be serious. Yes, that's right. Workstat on eBay. Hold on. <laughs> What's Who says that? Workstat on eBay, 191 plus 30 quid. God, that's good value, isn't it? I'm surprised. I don't know how many they made. They made how many did they make? Because, yeah, they, they... 125, actually, but then I don't know if the other ones have been shipped. But initially for uh, Moltfest, there was 125 made. Right. Uh, uh, and then the other ones are going to be in limited qualities too, quantities, too. So I don't think they're only doing another 125, or if they're going to be put together at all. I haven't... I can't remember. Uh, apparently, PEF makes uh, Reason Rack extensions. He does. There we go. Cool so, yeah, so, oh, I'm going to click on that and see. Those are his. Right, so if you need to know more about what yep. PEF does, I'm sorry, my, my, it won't scroll down any further than that due to a limitation of my layout, but do check them out. Um, I think we're probably... Mark, have you got anything to add or contribute more? Because I think I'm going to probably wind things up if, uh, if, if we're done. Um. Not at the moment. That's all right. No pressure. I wasn't in like a job interview, isn't it? Mark, can you just take over the show for me? I don't feel like doing it at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, well, what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll say goodbye because for all my um, uh, remembering to press record, I actually pressed the record button, which went into record pause rather than record ready, record actually in. No, it's all right. I've got it off the video now, but yeah, snore is my usual shoddy way of operating so we'll say goodbye we'll say thank you to everybody in the chat room for starters so yes all of you there thank you and a night oh good grief got quite a lot there today i'm not going to use the f word again i'm just i only trying to use it once a show now because some people get so uppity and there was a huge amount of controversy actually for me using calling the the f word and how how anyway i'm not even going to start that again but cory banks you're on holiday, man. What the hell are you doing here? You want to get off and have some fun. What are you going to be doing today well, with your holiday time? Well, this is fun, I hope, too. Yeah, this is fun. This is not work. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my, um, my old hometown, Chicago, so I'm looking to see some friends and family and hang out and, um, you know, should be fun. Excellent. So no, no real plans. That's the great thing about this vacation. No real plans. We're just winging it and, you know, no schedule about things. It's dangerous, though. It's like going to Disneyland without any plans. And then when you come away, you think, God, we didn't do anything. And that costs so much money. And we only had to go on one ride. You've got to be careful about that. But I admire I admire your your, your philosophy there. Thank you very much. Cory Banks, bboytechreport.com. Check out his stuff there. And also, I will say thank you very much to Mark Tinley as well, marktinley.co.uk. Uh, who's looking I've been kind chopping of? Now. You've been chopping. Have you been just? You've been. How many? Tell me how many ounces of hemp seeds have you eaten? Oh, I don't know, loads. <laughs> and how are you feeling? You feeling feel okay? Absolutely fine. Yeah, it's. You very should nice. say I'm feeling a bit ropey. Actually, is the gag. Oh, yeah. but there you go. I'm going to do this. I've got I've got osk on my osk touch osk. Yeah, touch osk yeah. on my iPad. I designed that little interface 
for something. But I've just bought those knobs, so I'm going to have to change a few of those things around. Oh, you bought I, the... the- I've, I've purchased Ion Scratch to go DJ system, so I'll let you know next week what it's like. Awesome. Um, I'd be interested to glue hear it on here, and then maybe it'll, I don't know, yeah. maybe it could be, could be fun. As you know. I think that's the, the biggest problem is, like, you have to look at the thing to be able to use it. So if I've got a, something I can grab, yeah. I only ever play with f- uh, frequency and resonance anyway. That's, <laughs> it, that's all you need, isn't not. it? An envelope depth? What the hell? That's yeah. not, oh, no, oh, yeah. that's too complicated. Yeah. Release, maybe. <laughs> Decay? That's yeah, going no, too far. that's on a 303, actually, to be honest. But there we go. That's all you need. Yeah. Mark, I, I, you know how I feel about live purchases on the show. I think that's just I very know. commendable. So I'm, I'm very pleased for you. you. They should give you, um, uh, they should give you a commission, really. I should have, yeah, I should, I should have actually had some kind of affiliate link you could have used there, and I could have made Absolutely, like nine yeah. pence or something. <laughs> yeah. Missed the trick. Ah, oh, damn it. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, You're once very again, welcome, and thank you. Well, thank you. And also, we'll say thank you to Isotope for sponsoring the show. And remember, you can win a copy of Isotope. you just got to tweet out Iris Rocks to at Sonic Nick and at Isotope Inc. And add, add a little comment, and you could win a copy of Iris from Isotope. Anyway, that's it for this week. And I, will play, I was going to play out with a little bit of... Um, uh, the Beach Child. I'll keep that going, and then maybe I won't get busted. This is uh, RB. R- oh, this is who it is. R- RBTS win. Apparently, they used to be called yeah. Robots, so now they've shortened it to RBTS. See, I did read the actual interview as well, there, Corey. So there you know, you right. my research is not fully, fully uh, redundant. Anyway, so here it comes. A little bit of this. So. Die. 